Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon. My name is Jeanette Abney, and I want to thank you for joining me for another episode here at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. I want to first apologize for the delay because uh, if you know me, you know that I cannot come on live without having my breakfast, or having my coffee, or having something to eat, and it's hot in this house, so I'm in here sitting here burning up. So I want to first give thanks to my Heavenly Father for waking me up, blessing me, this morning, and giving me the activities of my limbs. I'm trying to fix this camera. And I also want to thank my loyal listeners for joining me here at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio as we talk about topics that are very dear to my heart as well as things that is happening in the world and information that people basically I'm not going to say need to hear, but to benefit from listening. And like they say, those that have ears will listen. Now, when we talk about these topics, sometimes individuals still have the sense of therapy being taboo. Now, you guys know I'm a licensed master family therapist. I do a combination of a lot of different things. And the show is not about me, but it's about providing information and resources to individuals that may not have the ability or still may be struggling with, should I seek counseling, should I not seek counseling? And, you know, I had a friend tell me one time, I don't have a mental health issue, but what has affected me is affecting my mental health. And I was like, wow, that is deep. So today's topic is entitled, Life After the Death of a Parent. Now, just recently, I went to um, Mr. Celestine's funeral, and I've been knowing his, her sons, Keith and, Sel- Keith and Kevin, for many, many years, especially Keith Celestine. Now, many of my friends have parents that have transitioned. I also lost both of my parents. My mother passed away in 2008. My father passed away in 2017, and he recently um, had a birthday which I believe would have been 78 years old. Now, when we talk about the death of a parent, I think of Fred Sanford when he was always on TV talking about the big one, the big one. And, you know, and his son never really took him serious, which many of us don't. I, I never thought in my 40s that I would have lost my mother and then years later to lose my father because that's something that many of us are not prepared for. Now, parents love guidance and support, is something that many believe would actually last a lifetime. However, like I said, like myself and other of you that are out there, because I've either been to your parents' funerals or your parents are ill or whatever the case may be, when we start talking about these things, um, basically, like I said, we thought that our parents would be here for a lifetime and only to find that they're not. You know, we all are going to transition. We all are going to leave here. Even my son was telling me about one of his female friends whose mother just recently passed away. And you know, Monesty, you're supposed to be calling in, too, because we talked about this topic. So I see curves and swerves, and I see Stephen Upshur up there, too. So when we start talking about these things, and whether it's on social media outlets or, you know, you see it on the news, and all of these individuals that are passing away, many of them have children. So like I said, your parents could be one that passed away, lived a full life, passed away in their 60s, 70s. Some of them have passed away at a very young age, leaving young children behind. So we all come and have, all have different stories and different testimonies. 
today I'm coming on because we know that grief is going to resolve. And people grieve and they mourn differently. So today I am challenging you, as I would like for you to invite to join me as we talk about life after the death of a parent. Now I have a caller on, so let me log this person on right now. Right now. Hi, this is Jeanette. Welcome to Present Predicaments, Block Talk Radio. Number ended in one one. How are you doing? I'm well. This is Janelle. Hi, Janelle. <laughs> Hi. You know what? You always ask me to please make sure I tag you. Girl, I couldn't spell your name yesterday to save my life. I had to go off and take a look at your post. It's just like, but I always pronounce it wrong. But I want to thank you for joining me with this topic today as we talk about life after the death of a parent. And, you know, you've come on the air before, and I thank you. I thank you for your support and listening to the show. And many individuals are losing or have lost a parent at all different ages and stages and development of their life. Now, Giselle, how old were you when your parents or your mom passed away? My mother passed at the age of 61. She was young, and I also was young. I was uh, just had turned 23. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had um, I was already moved out um, by 18. So um, mm-hmm. even prior before her passing, you know, I was already on my way that, that separation already. So. Mm-hmm. And you know, and the thing is, even in your 20s, I was in my 40s when my mom passed away. And even in my 40s, and although my mother had um, breast cancer and she was ill for six years, but no one really knew how serious her illness was, I still was not really, did not know what to expect, you know. And, you know, people do different things to try to keep their parents' memory alive. Some individuals are still grieving. I I look at people's Facebook posts and read some of the things that they say in regards to their parents being, you know, transitioning and the hurt and the hold and the heart and, you know, and and it, it can be tough. It really can be. But, you know, now, like I tell individuals, Precious Predicaments, Precious was my mom's nickname. And my way of keeping her memory alive is to laugh, is to enjoy life, is to, you know, do things because I don't want to be, I never wanted to be sad. I never wanted to be heartbroken. I mean, I'm sitting in a home that she passed away in, you know, even right now as I'm doing this show. So it impacts people and each family member different. So I want to say there is a difference between grief and mourning. I also want to give the listeners the different stages of grief that they go through. One is the denial, one is the anger, then the bargaining, then the acceptance. Some individuals deal with the, the guilt, and then there's hope. And individuals will be at different stages at different times, and sometimes people go through a combination and array of emotions. Okay. What is, your, what is your thought in regards to that, Jadel? Um, I, I definitely went through the process. Um, it definitely was over a period of 10 years um, mm-hmm. to where I'm at today. Today I, I definitely am in the hope, that hope and the acceptance piece, but it took a long journey um, uh, of mourning, and a lot of it, um, I was uh, selfish in 
um, the way I I handled my grief, um, and I it was directed inwardly, and it caused me to do a lot of self destruct like a lot of self destructive mm-hmm. behavior behind not mm-hmm. having the proper tools and um, wisdom or educate or guidance through everything I was uh, uh, feeling and, and um, you know, feeling behind losing my mother and being that I didn't have a father either, like just like not um, just doing it on my own, going through the process of grieving on my own. And you know what, Javelle, that's very interesting that you said that because when I wrote the information down on Facebook and I indicated and I said that, um, you know, I said when it comes to the love, the guidance of of a parent, I said many don't realize the importance until the parent has transitioned and left this earth. This is something that one will will happen, yet we're often unprepared for I said the transition is often filled with grief, emptiness, and a sense of joy, yet the life of the children left behind, whether they are adults or minors, they may struggle with picking up the pieces or going through on with life. Now, one of the things that I also indicated is, and I said that today's show, we're going to be providing information, resources, and tips as to how to live your life after the transition of a parent. Because grief and mourning is different for everyone. Hold on to your memory. Create new tradition. Find balance in your life and not excuses. Because, you know, a lot of times family members to each other, people turn to drugs and alcohol or self-destructive behavior because sometimes they don't know what to do, Giselle. And that's what I said. It's not an excuse. It's an explanation. But even though your parents have transitioned on, you still got to go on with your life. You still got to figure it out. Now, sometimes the transition of a parent can lead to financial hardship, especially if the adult child was living with the parent and is not mature enough or financially stable to live on their own. They're angry. They're hurt. They, you know, I've seen a lot of that happen where people have lost their parents' home, didn't know how to you know, um, be financially responsible, sometimes find that emotional support to where families fight amongst one another and they don't know how to support each other financially, spiritually. A lot of stuff goes on. So I understand what you mean when you say the selfishness and the self-destructive behavior. Uh, Reggie used to always tell my mother when she was going through her cancer, Granny, when you die, I'm going to jump in your grave. My granny, his granny told him, that's why I'm going in the wall, because I don't think you can go through the wall. So he used to always say that because of his love for his granny. Anything else you want to share in regards to that? Um, well, first of all, Giselle, what made you realize I can't continue to live like this and i got to do better? Can you, can you repeat that question? What made me what? Made me what? what made out of that rut, because I've been seeing your pictures on Facebook, and I am so proud of you. I am very <laughs> proud of you. Because you are now living your life. So I just want you yes. to know, and you got it from me, I am proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. And that was a so long road. Thank you. 
what made you get to that point to where you said, you know what, my mother's not here anymore, and I can't use this as a way of, of self-medicating my pain or this self-destructive behavior because, you know, I, I, I got to do something. Um, when I was thoroughly beaten and when I got sick and tired, when my mom was here, I cried out to her once and she said, she said, I don't know why you're calling me. When, you know, when you're tired, when you're sick and tired, you stop. So I got tired. I got to a point where I was done um, not being happy. I was done um, just being stuck in that. And um, I've, I, I, I thought about my mother. And, you know, she raised five children, a single mother. She be, went to school. I watched her in her older years become a, a registered nurse, became a hospice nurse. And um, she, my mom used to journal, and she used to have mm-hmm. conversations with God in, these, in her journal. And one thing I came mm-hmm. across was she would write and pray for, for us that she had left me a note. Not left me alone, but wrote and speak it to me and told me that the same God that got her, gets her through the, the success and whatever, the strong woman and everything that she was, is the same God that is going to do it mm-hmm. for me. So mm-hmm. um, when I finally got to a point where I said, you know what, so now nobody's going to rescue you. Nobody's going to... You know, mommy ain't coming back. I cannot continue to dwell in what I don't have. Um, me and God going to do this. And that mm-hmm. was a turnaround when I fully was dep- got dependent on God, when I turned to him for the help mm-hmm. and not turned to man or substance or anything for the help um, for the you know, the, the the filling of the void, because my mom mm-hmm. leaving this earth created, I already had a void and not having a father, but her leaving created a void, and I just kept trying mm-hmm. to fill it, fill it, fill it, sure. and it, nothing was sufficient you know on so the funny. earth. <laughs> you know what's so interesting, Giselle, when you said that I looked down, because I'm at the home where my mom passed and my child's at home, and my mother, and I'm sure to the face, my mother had this this was her Bible. This Bible is so woe out, girl. The pages is, is falling out. My mother told me one time, she said, Jeanette, you wore this Bible out. I said, how did I wear it out? <laughs> my mother still got stuff all stuck in, in, in scriptures and, and pieces of paper and stuff she wrote down. And I said I wanted to find somebody that, you know, could read through some of this stuff to let me know what she was thinking. You know, you know I was giving her money, and um, she was sticking in the Bible. And I'm like, why she sticking in the Bible? She's trying to make me give us a lot of money. I looked here, and I saw this. This I was called a raggedy, but I found this Bible that my mother did write all in, mark all up, and, and she did. She really did. She kept on. So when we start talking about these things, and just just the other day, I was in a neighborhood, and I ran into an old childhood friend, and he told me, he said, you know, Jeanette, I envy you. 
He said, you didn't sell out. You didn't sell your mama's house. He said, I knew your mother very well, and I know your mother is proud of you. And sometimes we try to strive and we try, you know, and, and sometimes when we are at our weakest moment, it seems like that's when the spirits come and talk to us and encourage us and, and lift us up because it's been almost 15 years since my mother passed. And it don't even seem like it's been that long. It, it really don't. And I think that my daughter and I, we're the only people that really go to the cemetery to even put flowers on her grave. And my mother used to always say, you know, you better do it while I'm alive. You better do it while I'm alive. But sometimes, Giselle, we mm-hmm. take that for granted. We really yeah. take it for granted. That's where a lot of individuals I see, they are still sticking. Now, and I'm looking at something, and it talks about the death of a parent affects even grown children. But the short term, the loss of a parent triggers significant physical distress. And the long term, the grief can put the entire body at risk. Now, they did a handful of studies, and they found the link between unresolved grief and cardiac issues, hypertension, immune disorders, and even cancer. Sometimes you can make yourself sick if you don't stress the grief. And not to mention depression and substance use. Mm-hmm. Now, when we start talking about these things, and um, and I'm looking at something, and it talks about the death of a parent affect grown children, because we think that, oh, I'm grown, oh, I'll get to this, or, you know, some people be waiting to go to the bank to try to cash in what their parents done left them, and it's not about that. Again, when you got multiple siblings, they fighting over stuff, but losing a parent is amongst the most emotionally difficult and universal human experience. And although we may understand that the loss of a parent is inevitable, in the abstract mm-hmm. sense, that knowledge doesn't lessen the grief. You know, like I was talking about Fred Sanford when he used to always talk about the big one coming, the big one coming, you know, and I was I was looking at something about Fred Sanford and I think he only had one child, one daughter. But when we started mm-hmm. talking about even though we thought that our parents are gonna age, we know that they're gonna get older you know, Giselle, some people lost their parents when they were kids or their parents were in their yeah. 20s or 30s. You know, that's, yeah. that's, that's mm-hmm. a lot. Now, that's when we talk about a lesson of the grief, losing a parent, it's grief, fear, and traumatic. Do you know that that was the hardest thing I ever did in my life was watch my mother die, watch her take her last breath? Watch, I had to call the mortuary and have them remove her body from the home and, ha- and watch them put her in a bag and zip her up. All that mm-hmm. is still in my head of remembering that, you know, and even seeing her body on the table at the mortuary. Now, when we start talking about the trauma, and it can permanently alter children of any age, both biologically and psychologically, mm-hmm. nothing is never the same. And the loss of the mother or a father is a wholly transformative event. Now, I'm looking at something, and we talk about how the, the grief can occur and how sometimes it can cause long-term genetic changes in your immune system and things of that nature. But part of this show, Giselle, is to offer help 
because you got to learn how to cope with less stressful things. You got to learn how to anticipate parental death. You know, I commend individuals whose parents are still alive, who still have a mother and father they can call and talk to or spend time with. I commend them for that. What else do you want the listeners to know, Giselle, in regards to this? Because I want to say this, and talking to many individuals about grief and losing a parent, I find that some individuals, especially males, are more closer to their mother, where females may have been more closer to their fathers and taking on their father's death. Now, my father's birthday is July 13th, and normally I do something in regards to his birthday or a show or something. I, You know, I was going to listen to one of the last shows he did with me when he called in, and we talked about why people cheat. Instead of me feeling sad, girl, I went to a casino. I got me a night at the casino, had me a good time, and I wanted to take my mind off of that because he would normally call me and be like, you didn't call me, you forgot what day it was even though I didn't forget, and I still didn't forget even this time. But sometimes you got to find ways of balancing your life so that, so that one don't become grief-stricken. What are some of the things that you do or may have thought of doing in honor of keeping your, your mom's memory alive? Giselle? Oh, there's uh, quite a few things. So, you know, my mother had me later in age. My mother really is the, the grandma, right? She's the glue. She's the, 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 was the, the matriarch. And um, my mom was also the home, the care, the home taker, care, care, caretaker. Mm-hmm. And um, our family was really surrounded around dinner and a pot of yellow rice. And, um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, birthdays and stuff like my niece's last birthday, I got up before everybody got up and I made some biscuits from scratch and some gravy in honor of, you know, saying, here, your grandma still loves you. Your grandma still spirit lives through us. Mm -hmm. And I keep those kind of things. My mother always relied on me to... She would call me, Janelle, what does such and such want for Christmas? I, 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 she would come to ask me what everybody wants um, for Christmas, and I still put in that love in the gifts, you know, um, the thought. Uh, I've become the, the caretaker. I want to touch a little bit on um, the grief, like the other siblings. You know, like I said, my mother was the matriarch, and um, – I hate when I jump around like that. To wrap to, to wrap up answering that question was I feel myself in honoring her memory, her my mom's memory through taking on some of that position that she played did, which was uh, keeping the family together with love, continuing loving on my family, um, and uh, uh, serving them through you know keeping dinners together, keeping the house, and uh, keeping that love. Uh, I do that, and then also I keep my my faith with the Lord. Um, that honors my mother as well. But uh, to add to that with the siblings, well, now my older sister, Leda, has uh, assumed, assumed the role of the matriarch now. My sister, too, was mm-hmm. the one that watched my mother 
my mother passed away in our home too. And this, my mom lived on the first floor. Cause all the other bedrooms are upstairs. She couldn't do the stairs. Um, but uh, she passed right in front of the door. The ambulance came and they worked on her, worked on her. And my niece and my, my niece was the one home with my mom. And my sister worked on campaigns. And my sister flew. He rushed home, and my sister also witnessed my mom got leaving. And my sister mm-hmm. had to take uh, responsibility to the body, the service. You know, my sister then assumed the role of the matriarch role. My sister also was the one who had my mom most of her life. You know, I my mom, I had her for 23 years, but my sister had her uh, for 40-something 40 40 years. That was her best friend. And so my sister, her morning, I had to care for her Um my sister is not an expressive person. Neither was my mother. I'm very expressive, mm-hmm. but my sister is not. And I have to care for her in that way, uh, uh, pull it out of her almost, like to take care of herself because uh, now she is taking care of everything and everybody. And because when you're the matriarch, too, you always got to be strong. You always got to appear strong, too, right, because everyone's counting on you on that. And so for me, I get, I I take the, as the caretaker that I am, I have to have insight in that with her, like, like sister, are you taking care of yourself? Sister, you know, and be yeah. compassionate towards what, her when she's not feeling well and moody and snappy at me, just I know that she's suffering in her way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Giselle, that's mm-hmm. important for people to realize is you have to engage in self-care. That's why I said I'll go to the casino. That's my 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 outlet. My But now I said I'm on casino restrictions, so I can't go no more. So i got to take a break. But it gives me a sense of peace. I'm not worried. I'm not stressed. I'm having fun. I'm enjoying the atmosphere. I'm talking to people. Because we get so caught up in business mode and taking care of everybody else's issues that we forget to take care of ourselves. And I was guilty of that, my doggone self. And we have to be mindful of that. And other individuals can become very inconsiderate, and people are standing there with a handout and not realizing that you're human too, and you just lost someone too. Now, i got to turn this fan on because it is hot in this house. I don't know if the noise is too much or not. But I want to share some information, and I'm getting this. Ooh, I was getting it. I'm looking at selling clothes. Um, I want to share some information because, like I said, some individuals do go into business mode. Some individuals go into, you know, um, like you're talking about, they um, they turn their feelings and emotions inward because they don't know how to um, share what it is they're feeling. And you gotta you gotta process those emotions. You gotta process those emotions. And even with my um sibling in Georgia or Alabama, she saw the man before the incident happened with my father's murder and she was very, very um close to my father and you know, by her being down there and that was really, really hard for her. So I want to share some tips that they talk about, and it says the grief of losing a parent is very complex, but here's how you can start navigating it. Validate your feelings. Validate it. I use humor a lot and fully experience it. 
care for yourself, share memories. When I'm doing the show, I'm sharing a lot of memories, the good, the bad, the ugly. I'm laughing, I'm talking, stuff popping in my head. Even when I'm doing therapy or I'm doing my, my domestic violence group, I think of things about my parents. Honor their memories. Forgive them. Now, Giselle, that right there is huge because there's no such thing yeah. as a perfect parent. A lot of times you'll be holding on to what parents didn't do, they forget what they did do. Or if your parent, if you was a victim of abuse or, you know, you thought that your parent wasn't there, maybe your parent could have been a workaholic or whatever the case may be, your parent was a human being too. I had to forgive my mother a long time ago. When my mother told me, you might as well forgive me for what I'm doing, forgive me for what I did, and forgive me for what I'm going to do. I said, dang, really? Is it really like that? So forgive your parents, and even you don't have to even tell them you forgave them. You don't. Just say it to yourself, I forgive you. I have to accept the fact that my mama just didn't know no better. Neither did my father. They were products of their own environment, and the things and the way that they lived their life had nothing to do with me. I cannot carry on with that pain. And accept yeah. help. A lot of times when individuals, they don't get the help that they want. Most of the time, they want financial help. It may not be financial. People may not always be able to let you come live in their home. But just to know that somebody is praying for you, somebody is caring for you. And a lot of times, individuals, what happened and what I've seen happen is after the service, people feel abandoned, like nobody cares. It's not that they don't care. They got to go on with their own life. And that one is huge, too. And embrace family. Embrace family. And sometimes, you know what, there's going to be some family members you ain't going to want to deal with, some people that you ain't going to want to be bothered with, but you can still embrace them by just acknowledging that they're still a part of your life. Now, I'm looking at something, Giselle, and it says, how long does it take to get over the death of a parent? Now, that is something that's very questionable because you don't get over anything. You may get through it. It don't hurt as bad as it yeah. did when you first the person was shot. Now, it indicates that you feel the most of your grief within the first six months. That first six months can be purity hell, or at least feel like it, after a loss. And that is normal to have to go through that time of that tough time of the year. And then after then, you often accept your parents' death and you move on. However, but the grief may bubble up, especially on holidays and birthdays. Those are triggers for a lot of people. It's the, are the holidays and the birthdays. Now, when we start talking about that and how painful is the death of a parent, you know, whether it's a close friend, spouse, partner, parent, relative, the death of a loved one can feel overwhelming. You may experience waves of intense and very difficult emotions, ranging from profound sadness, emptiness, ranging from profound um, despair, shock, numbness, guilt, or regret. I know a lot of people that deal with regret. Just the other day, Giselle, I was in Oceanside, and Mr. Jerome, <laughs> I was standing in my room, and I was standing in my room by the wall, 
he was standing in the room, like, by the TV, by the bathroom. He was saying something. Girl, the lights started going off and on with the fans. So the light in the fan was going off and on. Nobody no. <laughs> He's looking at me. I'm looking at him. He said, okay, Miss Jean, I'll be nice. Okay, Miss Jean. <laughs> you know, and it was interesting because being real. I don't know what he or what she was thinking, whatever. Girl, as God is my witness, them lights were flashing off and on, off and on. And it was dark, so it was nighttime. So we were standing in the dark, and lights come back on. And it wasn't happening in no other room in my house, my bedroom. (laughs) But my room. Girl, Jerome was scared to sleep. I said, "Uh, you want to go back to L.A.? He'd be scared to sleep it out. So every time he goes down there, something weird happens. Now, when we talked about these things, and the, and the, I gave some information about the different um, stages of grief, the denial, anger, the bargaining, the acceptance, the guilt, and the hope. Now, I'm looking at something, Jabelle, and it said, what is the hardest thing? What do you think the hardest stage is for most people to go through when they lose a parent of the grief? Um, acceptance. I, uh, the acceptance piece. Um, I don't know how to put that. Um, the acceptance piece, because I think the acceptance is a very broad, uh, broad theme, right? Like you have to accept responsibility for yourself you have to accept exactly what you what you shared about forgiveness of the parent and accepting them um for me was acceptance because for a long time I, i would say my mourning was dragged on because i numbed myself for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. We, I, I use substance to numb myself. So I didn't deal. So we know when we, when we do um, use to not deal, you, 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 when you come back to reality, you, you still got to deal from right, right where you left off, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I just didn't touch it for a long time. Um, so I believe the acceptance part of of reality, what it was for me to stand um, on my own, you know, uh, accept, you know, her passing and what 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 that meant, um, accept that too. What you know, I know that's a whole other conversation. What death is, and really having a, a, a understanding with the higher power, what. Uh, that you could find joy in 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 that for that person, right? Uh, and uh, so I believe the acceptance piece was uh, I did, I, the acceptance and the re, the regret part. The regret part too. Um, there was things, and and now that I understand to myself, you know, I was young and um, I did not. There's things I regret that I didn't do the time, and so I'm an advocate for that for other people. Like I, I press that on people. Like make sure, like, because my mother always used to tell me, I'm not always gonna be here, and she knew that for me. She had me later in age, and she would always tell me I'm not. And I, in my naive or 
small bubble uh, thinking when I, at that age, at 23, I, um, I just didn't accept that at that at that age. You know, I didn't I didn't give it any thought. Um, um, you you know you you lived your life, mom. You know, let me live mine. Or, you know, but that time that I had, um, she knew it was towards the end. For like, I believe she knew it was almost towards the end. And um, yeah, I lived with that regret that I didn't give her the time towards the end that I wished today I, I gave her. You know. Um, mm-hmm. So the regret and acceptance and forgiveness, well, forgiving you know myself, what? forgiving her, forgiving myself for not give, spending the time with her. But you know what I do do today? I spend that time with my family today because of that. Yeah. Uh, I spend that time with my sister and sit and watch whatever shows she's watching or the baby. I'm not out running the street all crazy like I was when my mother was around. Today I give that time to my family, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting mm-hmm. you said that because as you were talking, I was reflecting on when my grandmother lost her mother and how devastated she was. And, you know, my mother and her siblings were trying to get my mom, my grandmother to Louisiana to go to her, her mother's funeral. And then I remember, you know, going when my, my grandmother's grandmother passed away and I was a kid and going to Louisiana and then I remember, I, I, as you were talking, I was picturing my mother over my grandmother's casket when my grandmother passed away, and they were born on the same day, and how my mother dealt with her mother's passing, and my mother's hardest stage was anger. Even though my mother and my grandmother fought like cats and dogs, my mother was angry when she lost her mother. She was just mad at the world. She was mad at people that still had parents. I was like, why are you acting like that? But one of the things that is the hardest thing is the bargaining phase. And the bargaining phase goes hand in hand with guilt. And this can be the most difficult aspect of grief for many individuals. But if you identify yourself in the stage of grief, try to be gentle with yourself. You are not to blame for your loved one's death. And that's where that bargaining, Lord, if you bring them back, I'll do this. Or, Lord, take me. Or da 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 I wish my aunt would have called in on the show because my aunt was saying how she had said something about when my grandmother was going through something, Lord, you should have taken me. And da da Then my, my aunt was um, diagnosed with breast cancer. You know, so we all have a time to go. And a lot of times we don't want to leave or we don't, we're not prepared. We don't teach people about stuff like that. When my mother found out she was stage four, and I was the one, she was like, well, I can't wait to get stage five if I look just good at stage four. And I'm like, Lord, I have to accept. My mother had stage four breast cancer. I didn't know what to do. So the next thing I know, my mother, we at Inglewood Park Cemetery, and she wanted to see her grave. Where she going to go? I'm all nervous. My aunt and I, we, I'm laughing and telling jokes. I used to tell jokes at funerals. I start buying up stuff. I'm buying plots and, and niches and paying for funerals. And so I paid for four funerals. But I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't know what to do. And my mother was so excited because she realized that I had prepared my stuff for when I transitioned so my kids could be ready. So part of that is not just sharing the experience, but letting the person know. I'm not going to always be here. 
You know, and I can say this. I'm proud of my son because I don't know if you talked to Richie, but Richie has literally turned his life around because he had no choice. Because I kept emphasizing to him, if I left this earth today, what the hell you go do? How you gonna figure it? So now he finally the light bulb now went on that I gotta get myself together because tomorrow is not promised. And if my mother left this earth, what am I gonna do? Where am I gonna live? And 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 that's what uh, angers some people. Care of them or being there for them. And when you cannot pick up that phone and call your mama and say, "Mama, you got five dollars," or "Mom, what you cook?" or my, I still remember my mother's phone number when she passed. Now I want to give some more information, and then I want you to I'll let you talk in regards to that, Devell, because the other people that are supposed to call in have not called in. And if you want to join in on this topic, you can give us a call at five one six three eight seven. One nine one four because I know there's a lot of you out there in Facebook land who have buried your parents dealing with this. Parents man just recently passed away. What are you doing to cope? How are you engaging in self care? How are you connecting with your family? And sometimes you need a business representative to try to go in and step in and mediate between people too. Now I want to offer some information in regards to how to deal with the regret after a death. Tips for coping with grief, regret, and guilt. Assess the situation. Looking at things with a fresh perspective might make you see things differently. You know, that's where the selfishness comes in, Giselle, and the sense of entitlement. But if you look at things from a different or a fresh perspective, your outcome may be different. And take a fresh look at things. Sometimes, Giselle, you got to ask for forgiveness. Not only do you forgive the person, sometimes you've got to say, Lord, just forgive me for my thoughts, for my behavior, for my actions. Honor again your loved ones. Sometimes you can donate to charity, you know, some of the things, because you're not going to want to keep all of the stuff. I don't even know I'm a hoarder, but I had people clean my garage out, so I don't even know what I got and what I don't have now. Again, connect with loved ones and live a better life. Just do better. Doing better. Any comments, Giselle? Giselle? Yeah. I don't know what you um, know. Giselle. Okay. No, I'm here. I'm here. Um, I, I, I would say that um, that first, uh, tip there with assessing um, and uh, assessing assessing yourself, assessing your fi- feelings. Um, I'm still um, though my morning today is, diff- is different. I'm not in that pain and hurt and all that. But today with the he- my healing, that assessing part, uh, words right. So. Being able to identify my feelings, I think that was one of my biggest things that kept me stuck for a long time um, was that I could very well have been angry, but maybe I was uh-huh. um, uh, identifying it as something else. So today for mm-hmm. me, in my healing process and in me and my self-care, is being able to assess myself and and 
and I said what my actual feelings are and put the actual word to my feelings um, so then I can then take take care of that. Um, I, I would say that it is important to not do mourning alone um, and, and uh, to speak, and I'm gonna to talk it out with somebody, like someone like yourself that has this knowledge or to research it with some, you know, so you can gain these tools. These tools are vital to get through. And uh, I'll wrap it up with that. With someone like me, in my situation, circumstance, um, a relationship with with God. And as simple as I could put that is um, the only way right now that I am like really getting through with moving forward in my life. I also aspire to help people. I see a lot of people going through death every day. And as a person um, of faith, a believer of myself, I have work to do to help other people. I need to gain this knowledge as well. So I need to know scripture. I need to know, you know, be able to guide people through when they experience mourning so that they can know how to, how to, so you're going to have your feelings, right. but that I can direct them in the right way of looking at what death is, what death is and um, what the Lord does. For us with death, so that there's joy, you can find. That's what that's what you the, the point yeah. you hit. The perspective, perspective, perspective share, is a big thing. Share, I want to share something because I mean two different things. Like I said, I remember being at my father's funeral, and the preacher after I did the remarks, he said, "You know, Jeanette, we owe you an apology. You have a joy that's unrecognizable. It was like I had been set free. I had a joy. I didn't even know the joy was there because I wasn't going to let things bother me." Now, when my, like I was sharing with my grandmother's past, my mother was angry. And I'm looking at something, and it indicates anger is a necessary stage of the killing process. It is necessary. Being willing to feel your anger, the more you truly feel it, the more you will, it will begin to dissipate and the faster you will heal. Now, that doesn't mean take it out on other people because when we talk about the grief process, Knowing the difference between grief and mourning, you also have to have an understanding of defense mechanisms when individuals are projecting things onto you or making you pay for how they feel. So you got to know that. Now, there are many emotions under the anger, like the anger iceberg. Anger is what we see because that's what people are acting out, but it could be frustration. It could be a whole lot of other complex emotions under that. So when we them in time, but the anger is the emotion we are most used to managing. We choose it, often to avoid the feeling underneath until we are ready to face them. Now, it may feel all-consuming, but as long as anger doesn't consume you for a long period of time, it is a legitimate part of your internal emotional management. Sometimes I get mad about my mom. I'll be like, my mom and I left me with this big old mess. You know, got all this stuff. My sister's all all over the place, and that grandkids just a hot mess. Not to say that she could have fixed it because she couldn't fix it because she couldn't fix it when she was alive. So how's she gonna deal with it now? But when we start talking about that with the anger, you know, we start knowing that or we realize, and we know that the anger doesn't have to be logical or valid, but it is important to feel the anger without judging it without attempting to find meaning in it 
Because we know that life is not always fair, and death can be unfair at times, but death will happen. Now, anger is a natural reaction to the unfairness of the law. If you could change things, you would, but you can't, and you are not to blame. Girl, Giselle, I used to have dreams that my mama died twice. I had, I still have dreams of her, and I used to have this dream where she came, took care of some stuff, died again. We had, I'm like, I got to go through this again. <laughs> I've been thinking sometimes I watch too much TV. Now, another thing is people may ask you to move quickly through your anger, but it's important to remember that it's a part of the grieving process, and individuals can also feel that your anger is misplaced or displaced, inappropriate or disproportionate. Some individuals may feel your anger is too harsh or too much. Don't let anyone diminish the importance of feeling your anger fully, and don't let anyone criticize your anger. And don't let anyone, you know, not even you, do that. And we cannot change others' reactions to our anger, but instead, all we can do is take care of ourselves. Now, I want to say what happens during the stages of the anger, anger often masks our pain, allowing time for intense feelings, and it becomes a surface of feeling that may be too much to handle right now. Like I said, some people say I cry every day, I can't get up in the morning. You shouldn't, no, 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 we got to do better. Anger means that you're progressing through your grief. Anger affirms that you can feel that you did love and that you have lost. And unfortunately, anger can isolate you from friends and families at the precise time when you need them the most. Now, what does anger look like? Anger at your parent that he or she didn't take better care of himself or herself? You know, that's huge, too, because just though I found out my mother had missed a lot of doctors when yeah. she was going. Mm-hmm. She didn't want to stop drinking. Yeah. She, she just got to the point where she didn't care no more. Anger, or the anger is that you didn't take better care of them. You may be angry that you didn't see this coming, and when you did, nothing could stop it. Or you may be angry with the doctors for not being able to save someone so dear to you, girl. My mother went to the hospital and cussed her oncologist out. I was embarrassed. And anger at the healthcare system. Anger to be coupled with the blame and resentment. You also may experience feelings of guilt, which is anger towards inward on yourself. So I just wanted to share that part about the anger. Because a lot of individuals are very upset and dealing with a lot of emotions. And some individuals, they're just numb. They're very numb. So I like this article. And you know what? I need to post this on my Facebook page because this article comes from a, um, I know, what is it called? Eternal Hill. They deal with Dignity Memorial. They got resources for dealing with grief. And it's dealing with the loss of your mother or father. This is some really good information, and I'm going to post it on my Facebook page because somebody may need to read this. Somebody may need to help help with this so that they can get through. And like I said, help is available. There are grief counselors. There are individuals like myself who are licensed um, therapists or licensed clinical social workers. You know, it don't matter what their title is. Some of you think, well, they are LF, LMFT or LPCT. Don't get caught all up in that. And we understand that the person may project their feelings and emotions onto the therapist or the professional help. There's life coaches out there. There are grief group 
and blogs that individuals can connect with in regards to support. There's groups for, you know, parents that have kids that have lost their parents, parents that have lost their children. There's all kind of self-help and support groups out there. Even if you don't want to use your insurance, if you are employed, you can check with your employer to see if they offer EAT, which is an employee assistance program. You can get grief counseling. Is there anything else you want the listeners to know? No, that's uh, for people to know not to sit in silence and not to isolate and to seek out these um, groups like, like you just shared and seek out the help, you know, in our communities. We're, you know, just so, like, we deal with things on our own and don't seek out the help. Grief is a, it's, it's, it's a real thing. But there's solutions to, to, you know, there are solutions and, and people are willing to walk through. You said that important, that was an important thing. We, it's not something that, it's, in, it's inedible. We're going to go through this. It's something we go through, you know, not around or numb ourselves or, you know, uh, tuck it in, put it away in, in the closet. No, you know, it's something we go through and, they, and there is help. You know, we have one another mm-hmm. and we have, and we have God. So. Uh, for people to see mm-hmm. that out. And so, you know yeah. what? I've had people say they was mad at God for taking their parents away. And I'm like, oh, why are you mad at God? Well, God did this. It's God's fault. We will blame God. So, I would say that that is, projection. you know, that is not God. Uh, God you know, death. You know, it's not, it's not of, that's not of him, but, you know. There's also an answer to that, too. You know, there's a, a he, he's provided a solution for that, you know, through Jesus. So, you know, people that, that think that way, there's, there's answers. There's a way. And God reveals all things for those that, that seek seek it out from him. He reveals these these things. But he also uses people, too, in these programs and these, you know, people like yourself that have this, this wisdom and education. Um, he he works through people like that in these programs and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, he he reveals and, and heals heals the the, the, the wound. And I'm looking at this, and it says it was an article written in the LA Times, and it talks about what the death of a parent can teach us if we're willing to learn. And it says the death mm-hmm. of a parent can send shock through your self perception and reposition in the mental space you occupy on the planet. The grief can be life-changing. Think you're noticing a higher-than-usual number of people posting on Facebook about parents passing recently? You're right. Studies show that the you know, holidays with January taking the highest toll. So they ask experts to share insight and experience as well as advice on managing the pain and how to emerge enlightened during this challenging time. And when they did that, they um, – they found some really information. Our parents are our first relationship. So when a parent dies, it is your acre that's being taken away. Some of the things they talk about is rituals can help. That's good. That's good. Grieving what never was is another one. And they talk about take a psychological inventory, and they give some good information and reach out for support. A lot of individuals feel that they don't feel it's necessary, but it's very important to do that. But like I said, it's the first relationship you're going to ever have. 
but it doesn't mean all your relationships have to end. So I want to thank you for joining us today. Tomorrow is Tuesday, and that's when we do the show from the pulpit to the couch, and we get biblical teaching. So for those of us that still have parents, I'm going to talk about honoring thy mother and thy father. Because we're talking about burying your parents. you got some parents that have to bury their kids. And sometimes we don't honor. We're so busy being rebellious and defiant and we're so angry. And there's so much stuff going on in the world. And you know your parents didn't teach you to do all of that. And then on Monday, I'm going to be talking about aging gracefully. Because all of this is still going back to mind, body, soul. Take care of yourself. So, Giselle, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate you. And continue to do the thank work you. on you because well, nobody should love you. You love yourself. Okay? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So, again, thank you for reaching right. out to Precious Predicaments, Talk Radio. Until tomorrow, remember, you got this. Bye-bye. And another thing, if you have any topics, anything you want me to discuss, you can give me a call or you can reach me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Or you can email me at J-A-B-N-E-Y-L-M-F-T at gmail.com or preciouspredicaments at gmail.com. Or you can call my office if I'm not on the phone with a client or seeing a client, 714-992-1677. I am very easy to reach. I tell people sometimes just Google my name. You'll find it. But give me a call. Let me know. I enjoy working with individuals trying to help provide information that they may be sometimes afraid to seek and find out. They say seek and you shall find. So, again, thank you very much, Giselle, and you enjoy the rest of your day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.